You're listening to the weekly sermon of Huntersville Presbyterian Church. We're so glad that you're here and hope that through listening to God's word, you will come away refreshed and renewed for what life has to bring you this week. Here's this week's sermon. So I'd like to tell you a little story this morning. I heard a story once about a young, about a boy and his dad from a wealthy family who went and stayed on a farm with a very, very poor family because the father was trying to teach his son the ways of the world and what the world was really like. They spent a couple days, and on their return trip home, the dad turns to his son and says, well, how was the trip, son? And he goes, it was great, dad. And he goes, did you see how poor people can be? And he goes, oh, yeah. And he goes, so tell me a little bit about what you learned on this trip. And he said, well, I have one dog, and they have four. And we have a pool that reaches into our garden, and they have a creek that never ends. And we have imported lanterns in their, in their garden, or in our garden, and they have the stars in the night. And we have a patio that reaches into, their, into our front yard, but yet they have the whole horizon. And we have a very small piece of land to live on, and they have fields that go beyond our sight. We buy our food, but they grow theirs. We have walls around our property to protect us, but they have their friends. And the dad just sat there and he was speechless for a few moments. And, and then, his dad, then his son goes, Yeah, dad, thank you so much for showing me how poor we are. <laughs> I want you to keep that story in mind as I go through the message today. Most of you know that this past summer I got to go on what is called a movement vision trip. And the company I work for partners with different mission partners around the, around the globe, and we get an opportunity to serve overseas in a variety of locations. And I went to Kampala, which is in Uganda, which is, of course, in Africa. And the humor that I just provided is a fairly good representation of what life is like there. And as you're going to see in the background... There's some pictures from the trip, and if, if it fits in at the right time, I'll, I'll show you or explain some of, the, some of the pictures that you're seeing. And I don't have time to relate all of my experiences over there, but what I can tell you is that it was the most humbling and uplifting of experiences that somebody could ever experience. And I can tell you that I saw the purest examples of faith and contentment that I've, ever, that I've ever witnessed. Let me set it for you up like this. When we leave here in a little while, we're not going to have to worry about how we're going to get from church to our houses. And while we may have to prepare our own food for lunch, we don't have to worry about our daily bread. Most of us will not have to think about where we're going to lay down tonight or you know, if it's going to protect us from the weather. 
you know, we're not going to have to worry about if we're going to wake up tomorrow morning. We take all these things for granted because it's just something that we assume we are going, that it's going to happen. We don't have to have faith to make sure that it happens. I saw people whose homes, and you can see them in some of the pictures, that looked like a natural disaster had come through, and the person that was responsible for rebuilding those homes only had a rudimentary idea of what it was like to construct a home. I saw a people that had been up since dawn, working in their fields, trying to sell their goods or produce to be able to buy food for their family when one of their countrymen was less than 50 yards away trying to do the exact same thing. And when these individuals prayed to God, they, they prayed with a hope and a faith that God would take care of them because that was going to be the way. God would provide for their needs. And when it happened, they praised God with the most profound love and continuation of faith that you could experience. Their faith and expression of faith showed me that contentment is trust in God and God alone. And I've experienced a contentment I experienced a contentment there that was so profoundly different than anything that we can experience here in the States. And where one person's perspective may be different than another person's, but my perspective of what was occurring in Uganda did not change their perspective of what life around them was like. They were content with their lives, and they praised God for what they had and what they had been given, when in stark reality, it was a fraction, a fraction of what we have here. One of Pastor Doug's favorite people in the Bible is in the Bible to discuss is this tent maker whose name was Saul. He became Paul. And Paul started out persecuting Christians. I mean, he was, as he puts it, he was a Jew among Jews. He persecuted the Christians. He had an experience with God and became the champion of Christians. And as you know, he wrote most of the New Testament. And as we've been working our way through the Bible, we're fully into the New Testament. And who is excited? We start Revelation next week. Christmas and Revelation, I don't know if it can get any better than that. And throughout Paul's teachings and throughout his writings, he talked about a wide variety of subjects. And he closes his letter to the Philippians with a wonderful teaching about Christian contentment. So if you'd like to follow along, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to go through 10 through verses 23. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need... For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and facing hunger, abundance, and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia... 
No church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied and having received the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in his glory in Christ Jesus. To God and Father, to glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Christ Jesus be with you in spirit. The word of God for the people of God. So this passage really goes into how to be content. And a contented Christian is, is, is made up of these seven things. We are secure in God's providence. We are satisfied in whatever situation. We are fulfilled in every circumstance. We are strengthened through Christ. We are resting in God's promise. We are consumed with God's glory. And we are filled with God's grace. A contented Christian is secure in God's providence. It's helpful to keep in mind that when Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians, he's in prison. He has planted the Philippian church about 10 years prior, and the church has sent him financial support several times. In fact, this letter to the Philippians overall is more or less a thank you letter to the Philippians for a grateful missionary for all the financial support. That's why he writes, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. The Philippian church loved Paul. and They had great concern for him, but he, because he was constantly on the move, there was no WhatsApp or, you know, find my missionary or email so they often didn't know where Paul was at at the time and the point is made that Paul is utterly secure in God's providence he knew that what God would provide for him at exactly the right time and in exactly the right manner that he meant to and it's at the time of God's choosing that the gift from the Philippians arrived do you want to be content you start by being secure in God's providence. A contented Christian is satisfied in whatever situation. In verse 11, now that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation to be content. This statement flows from the previous one. And again, to give you a little bit more context, bless you, Paul was chained to a Roman soldier. He was living in very tiny quarters, and he was existing or being sustained on a very meager diet. Nevertheless, he could confirm his complete contentment in spite of his circumstances. And the Greek word for content is, I'm not very good at Greek, 
Eutarchus, Eutarchus. And it appears in the Bible one time in this verse. And a New Testament scholar, um, MacArthur, notes that in extra-biblical Greek, this word was used to, be, to, used to be speaking of someone who is self-sufficient, having enough, and not being dependent on others. One other ancient writer used the word in reference to a country that supplied itself fully for everything that the country needed and had no need for imports. But true contentment only comes from God. It only comes from God. And it enables believers to be satisfied and ease in the midst of any problem. Billy Graham, most of you know who Billy Graham is, wrote a book called Just As I Am. And he was describing a situation in what could only be described as the perfect story to go along with this. He and Ruth uh, had, a, had a trip to a Caribbean island. And one of the wealthiest men in the world who just happened to live on this Caribbean island asked them to come to his home for lunch. The spread was humongous. It was so much more than any three people could eat. And throughout the entire meal, the 75-year-old man looked like he was about to burst into tears. And finally, Reverend Graham asked him what was wrong. And he said, you can look out that window and see the Caribbean Ocean, Caribbean Sea, and you see that boat down there? That's my yacht. I can go anywhere that I want to in the world. I have planes. I have helicopters. I have more money than I know what to do with. I have everything that I could possibly ever need to make me happy, yet I am miserable as hell. They talked to him, prayed with him, trying to point him to Christ as the one who alone can give meaning to life. And they went down the hill to the small cottage where they were staying. And that afternoon, a local pastor came by. And he sat with them, and he laughed and talked. And he was saying about that he was a widower and that he was taking care of his two invalid sisters. But he was full of enthusiasm and his love for Christ. And he said, you know what? I don't have two pounds to rub together. I don't have two pounds to my name, but I am the happiest man on this island. Are you content with the situation that you find yourself in? A contented Christian is fulfilled in every circumstance. In verse 12, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul had wonderful highs throughout his life. And he had absolutely miserable lows. Concerning the difficulties in his life, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am a talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. 
Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night, a day, I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from rogers, dangers from my own people, danger from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brothers. In toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, without food, in cold and exposure. He goes on and on and on. I must boast, though. I will boast of things that show my weakness. The God and Father of Lord Jesus, who is blessed forever, knowing that I am not lying. In every circumstance, he was content. It didn't just happen. He says that he learned the secret of facing plenty, hunger, abundance, and need. Contentment is not a personality trait. It's something that you learn. You need to learn to be content. Few Christians experience the trials and the difficulties that Paul went through. But he learned and he encourages us to learn how to be content. The famous Philippians 4.13. One of the most quoted but misunderstood verses in the entire Bible. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. How many people think that this means that I can be Superman? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do everything through him who strengthens me. As with any passage of scripture, the context governs its meaning. Paul is saying that in every circumstance, in every trial, in every tribulation that you may go through in life, whether facing plenty, facing hunger, facing abundance, facing need, you need to be divinely strengthened to do anything and everything that God calls you to do. He is, goes on to say that he is convinced that in regards to his ministry, in regards to your ministry, whatever that may be, God is the one that is going to provide you with everything that you need to go forward and do that. Eric Bargerhuff wrote a helpful book titled The Most Misused Verses in the Bible, Surprising Ways God's Word is Misunderstood. And he writes this, Philippians 4.13 is not so much about having the strength to stand up and sing a solo in church. It's really not about the strength to play the best of their abilities in a sporting contest. And it's not having enough strength to lift up that bag of salt. And it's certainly not about having enough courage to go out and do things like rob a bank. The verse is about having strength to be content when we are facing those moments in life when our physical resources are minimal. It's about having faith in a God who provides. A God in his sovereignty is in control over every circumstance of our life. And a God who sees and knows our needs and has promised to meet them in Christ. It's about being with him 
Christian, a contented Christian, is resting in God's promise. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into a partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. James Montgomery Boyce, who wrote the book that I consider to have gotten me through seminary, and he tells us a story of a delightful old French woman who in her youth had been taught to make a little box of Bible verses containing a selection of promises that God makes throughout Scripture. Each verse was written on a small piece of paper about the size of a piece of chewing gum, and then it was rolled up to make a miniature scroll. And after there were 40 or 50 of these, she dropped them in a little box. And this was a promise box. And she was a elementary school teacher and each day she encouraged the children to come over and pick one of the verses out read it and then roll it up and put it back in the box much later when during, right after World War II she was feeling terribly discouraged about many of the things that had happened and in her depression her mind turned to that little box of promises that had long been forgotten she had put it in a desk drawer and put it away and she went over to the desk drawer and she opened it up and she took it out and she prayed. She said, Dear Lord, you know how depressed I am. You know that I need a word of encouragement. Is, isn't there a promise here somewhere that can help me? And as she finished praying, she took the box and she stepped over to the window so she would have a little bit more light to read by. And she tripped over the loose edge of the rug all of the promises went out all over the floor. And she immediately got the point. And she looked up and she prayed joyfully, Lord, how foolish I have been to have asked for one promise when there's so many glorious promises in your word. In Philippians 4.19, my God will supply your need your need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Whatever your needs, not your wants, God will supply it. The contented Christian is resting in God's promise. And we are consumed with God's glory. To God our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul would affirm that the answer to the first question, the first question in the Westminster Shorter Catechism is found in this verse. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. He was consumed with the glory of God, and that should be our goal too. True contentment lies in being consumed with praising God for the wonders that he creates. A contented Christian is filled with God's grace. In his final greeting in verse 21 and 22, he says, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All of the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. And then Paul concludes his letter by saying, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. 
Paul understood that the Christian life from start to finish is a life of grace. We are the recipients of God's grace. And contentment is found in knowing and experiencing God's grace in every moment of your life. Let us be satisfied in God. Months after my trip, I still find that Africa is hard to describe. I saw people that don't, that don't have anything, that live like they have everything. Again, that house, that's their houses, that's their backyard. That little girl sits there for six hours a day just waiting for her mom to come back from work. Those kids were so interested in me teaching them how to give somebody a pound. Um, that's their vacation Bible school, Lisa. Sorry. Um, that family has a Muslim grandfather but he's still welcome to his house. That's going to be a chess academy. That is the Southern Cross. That is Marcion Falls on the Nile River. And that has to be eaten. That's the Nile River. I saw a world that was so much closer to Eden than the one we currently live in where most of us can have anything that we want with a few clicks from our phone. In this time of the year, it gets easier to be contented with what we have. We're thankful for roofs over our heads, the food on our table, the company and love of family and friends. We are grateful to a loving God who wants us to be contented in his love and grace, and we celebrate the birth of his son. Can you imagine a world where we behaved that way, just like we are now, day in and day out, week after week, year after year? And the bottom line is you can. Rest assured that you are loved and that God will provide for you. John Piper is well known for this statement. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And this statement is about contentment. True contentment is only found in God. Let us find all of our satisfaction to God. And we will discover true and lasting contentment. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Huntersville Presbyterian Church. Here at HPC, we believe that life is better with Jesus because Jesus makes us better at life. If you're looking for a church to call home, we would love to share his life with you. To learn more about us, or if you'd like to give online, visit huntersvillepres.org.